welcome. You have reached Deconversion Therapy, the podcast. This is Bonnie coming at ya, and over there in Tennessee is Karen, also yeah, no. coming at you from a bunker because we're number one for COVID. So I've dug Are a you hole. Sure? <laughs> well, I mean, we're battling it out. I understand between yeah. Tennessee and Florida, but um, I don't know. I think I think we're going to come out number one. We'll see. Oh, this is so. It, a friend of mine just went up through, of course, the state to get to Charleston and other places. But she says, this is astonishing how few people are wearing masks. Yeah. It's like, just. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We will be in this for a long time. So everyone prepare. All right. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, I'm in Tennessee. That's it. I'm in Florida, as seen by the palm trees behind me in my background, which only Karen can see. So, um, jealous. <laughs> you shouldn't be. Um, also, it never is not hot here. You know? Yeah. So, it's um, starting to change here, which I sent you something yesterday that if you pull up TikTok and you push the plus button, because I know you don't make videos... Then you can grab a filter, which turns everything to fall colors. Oh. It is fantastic. You didn't watch what I sent you? Did How I do I push you? the plus? What? We will do this <laughs> off. <laughs> I thought you'd like that. Um, so, so I'm in charge of the welcome today because uh, Karen has decided we're going to um, have fun with death as the <laughs> note page that she is titled. <laughs> Let's so, have fun with death. Contestant um. number two, if we say your name <laughs> and you're listening, I would just look over your shoulder and have your will ready. Okay, oh Tim? Oh, my gosh. Uh, Tim. <laughs> no, it's Steve. What? Who? <laughs> um, Let's just name every male name. Anyway, so I'm in charge of the welcome, which means telling you a few things. Like you can find us on Instagram, which I think is a really fun platform because you get a picture and then the comments are easy to, to blow through. Um, unlike Twitter. Twitter to me is yeah, like getting comments I, on yeah. there. I'm like people have DM'd me there and, and I find it months later. I'm like, oops. Oh, we just, I don't know when this will quote-unquote air, but last Friday night we did an awesome uh, Zoom party with some of our sponsors who pay a little bit of money each month to get our newsletter, which is also fun because we put pictures in there and musings about life and religion and um, just get a little bit more personal there. Karen gets serious. Um, I guess I do too a little bit. Yeah, I think it's the one place that I think we can and we can say a bit of our inward thoughts because on here, it's just like today when we talk about death, we will be rolling laughing. But on there, that can be like our serious place yeah. or funny or yelling. Like there's yelling that happens in there. All caps. There's <laughs> right. yelling. So you guys, we would really love it if you replenished our pile of stories from listeners. Um, and please, it would be great if they were funny. Um, 
something about growing up in church or being in church and how uh, something was maybe a little bit unexpected or silly or, you know, there was alcohol involved, but nothing, <laughs> nothing super it. serious. <laughs> Although you can do a serious if you've got the right bent, because the one that haunts me is about the person who grew up in a Christian family and her cousin was weird. And then he came up when they were at like a picnic, a family picnic and said, I have to confess something that God put on my heart. Yet something about being attracted to her, especially her feet. That's all I remember. (laughs) And she was wearing sandals and she's like, damn, I should have worn my Doc Martens. Um, and the one that I keep focusing on is funny in hindsight, but at the time it wasn't funny when this poor person had to throw their beloved Smurf into a bonfire. Yep. I mean, that I mean, would be exactly. So anything um, where we can now look back and laugh mm-hmm. at you, with you, for you, we'll take it. You're just hauling out all the prepositions you could come up with right that moment we can okay. laugh above you beyond <laughs> right. you and over yeah you. um all right so i got thinking about this for a few reasons because we have listeners who are scared especially mm-hmm. of hell of different things like that but also i mean fucking we are surrounded by death these days everywhere with covid like we're yeah. seeing it like we've never seen before, except for when we were in wars and it would always be like this many people died. But I've also been fascinated, of course, by the right-wing conservative Christians who are anti-vax, Christian white men who are dying lately. And I will put in there that I think some, at least one of them, the wife had COVID, and I've heard nothing about her because, yeah, she just, she, we're not hearing a lot unless a woman is in a powerful position. But well, first, what, what, but further to what you're saying, I would have thought that these particular white men who are radio show hosts, who you're talking about, would have thought that their lives were more important and would have wanted to try the vaccine. I think they're just the contrarians that that's what they want from their followers. Like, look how brave I am. Government is a lie, etc. Well, one of them did say, in hindsight, I should have been vaccinated. You guys don't want to go through this. Correct. I mean, maybe, maybe more of them, but the only, the only one that I can think of is somebody who you brought up on Phil Valentine. Media. Yeah. Right. So Phil Valentine, I'm going to cover a few deaths. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Phil Valentine, radio talk show host. He never really sounded Christian or promoted a lot of Christianity as his forefront. It was all like, you know, and not even huge conspiracies, but it definitely was anti-vax, all that. Went Mm -hmm. through the whole thing of, oh, look, he got COVID, although he said, I'm healthy, I'll never get it. He's the one that then later said, I should have gotten it. People go get your vaccine. And then they, and they, I mean, his posse of people he worked with 
started mm-hmm. taking credit for people getting the vaccine. So, like, the, it's always placed in a power of influence. Um, and, yes, then he died. Then we have Bob Inyart. He was a pastor and a radio show person, and he, like Rush Limbaugh, would read the names of men who died of AIDS while playing Another One Bites the Dust and talk about this is the result of what happens to people who do sodomy. Yeah, and the that's, last, yeah, that, that's just beyond cruel. Yeah, exactly. That was somebody's son. Totally. What the it, fuck? I mm-hmm. mean, that's just... Uh, did they, oh, okay. Sorry. It's all right. Are, are we having fun yet? Is this... The, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's our So Lawrence. he died. He died, yes, of COVID. Then we have R. Lauren Sanford, who was a pastor and prophet. I don't know how you get to call yourself that second one or if other people do. Anywho. You just do it. Yeah. I'm a prophet. I, me too. Uh, twin prophets. Can tell you where I'm going to be in two hours. <laughs> <laughs> so he was against... Of course, all of it, he was trying to say that it was all government control, etc., that it's not that bad. And what was interesting is he had a bit of a different, not mindset, but the way he talked about it, he said that there were other, quote, church prophets, of course, all in his realm of friendship or whatever his denomination was. And he said, we're all in agreement. That agreement is such a big word in Christianity. We're all in agreement that (laughs) this is going to pass pretty quickly. It'll probably be done by Passover because he recorded that in March, maybe of last year, maybe this year. He also said that it was somewhat of a judgment to purify Christians. Mm -mm. Now, I don't know if he meant kill off the ones that weren't true Christians, but if so, that was not a good prophecy to mm-hmm. make uh, because he died. Um, and so, but it, uh, yeah. Or, or, or was it? That's an awful thing to say. I know. I know, but that that's what we're seeing. And anytime I post about this or talk about it, we have so many people like, yep, Don't care. That's good. One less voter. And at the beginning, I was appalled. But now I do, I do get it because it's that frustration. Mm -hmm. So let's get into (laughs) it. Now, I don't know. Did you ever? I know I did because I could have it like a sort of morbid mind sometimes. When I was younger, I always was like, I don't know. I feel I'm not going to live long. Like I would have that intrusive thought. Did you ever? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I also, could tell. I don't know if it's growing up around water, but my whole life I've been convinced that I will die drowning. Oh. Oh, yeah. So bridges hold, <laughs> hold a lot of 
anxiety for me. Yeah. There's some giant one over near Tampa that scared the mm-hmm. shit out of me when I was a kid. We had to drive over the poncher train in Louisiana. Oh, my God, that didn't end. And I'm thinking, like, you know, oh, it'd be nice to go down to the Keys. But I'm like, uh-uh, I don't want to drive to get there. Because <laughs> it's just over your, just miles and miles of bridge. Have your windows rolled down, your doors unlocked, and a life vest on. <laughs> you will be oh. fine. Yeah. Um, I totally get it. And I saw different things in my kids at different times. And I'm like, do you think that you're not going to live long? Yes. I'm like, same. We all thought that. And it's just sort of, you know, the fear that starts early when you realize I like life. And I am also aware that death happens. Yeah. Um, We want to stay as far away from that as we can. And I had if, a huge... If only, if only to watch one more episode of 30 Rock, and I'm not proud of that. Yeah, that's, that'll be on your tombstone. She <laughs> was halfway through season five. So I haven't shared a lot on here about my mental breakdown. Everyone's like, Karen, you, you're so strong and normal. How could you have a mental breakdown? Uh, But I did, and it was about six months after my mother died. I watched her die. It was very traumatic. But I realized one of the things that was really getting to me was my own mortality and thinking about it because we have a natural order that we think things should go in. And you have, I see things visually. I always saw my parents as like a barrier on the conveyor line to death. So when one of them dies and that opens up the whole like, oh my God, I'm going to be, I'm approaching the next category. Right. Um, And it's natural to like think like that and have those fears. Uh, But then if you have spiritual trauma, you get to also have the fear of going to hell. Yeah. Whether or not you've mentally uh, resolved that in your brain or not, it's still there. Right. I think. Because really, who knows? Uh, No one knows. I do. Yeah, I know. And the thing also is it was related to images so much growing up. Like we always Mm -hmm. heard about burning and the gnashing of teeth. So we have like imagery that sticks in our brain connected to it. Um, and that's so traumatizing. Yeah. Okay. So you've had babies. What? Yes. (laughs) I have. People always, I hear this so frequently. Oh my God. They never tell you how great it is to have children until you have it. I mean, they say being a parent is the best thing, but until you have a kid, you just don't really know. know. Right. And so I think you can come back from the dead and tell me all you want about what happened, but I'm not going to know until I really know. So Correct. It's it's universal that there's it is absolutely unknown. Yeah. I mean, exactly. but everything's unknown. Uh, you know, if I go into a if I just go into a Starbucks, it is unknown right now who's going to be in there interacting with me. We go through a million 
uh, thresholds of unknown every day. They're just really easy to deal with. Yeah, yeah. And the the thing is, some of the great old philosophers, I was looking up some different things about death, and they had different concepts. And I can't remember if it was Aristotle, Socrates, someone. Woody Allen. Exactly. <laughs> that when they thought when they die, oh, good, I'm going to get to now meet all the great minds I've always wanted to that I never did, but I heard of them and we're going to have great convo. So that that was their real belief at that time or that person's who was very smart. (laughs) Who decided that? I know. Well, I mean, that's the same with what we all think now. Like we have all formed this culturally our beliefs in what happens. But one of the philosophers was like, the understanding of death is something, like you said, we won't ever have because us and death do not exist at the same time. Right, right. Which also pisses me off because there's so many people, I'm like, I want them to know when they die they were wrong. (laughs) But like, this is just done. I don't know if they're, unless... There is a heaven and hell, which there is not, so don't worry. Well, Norm MacDonald just passed away, and people keep sending me quotes, or I keep it keeps popping, popping up on my news feed, that he at one point said, well, I don't know. They say that, you know, um, cancer beat him, but as near as I can figure, when you, when you die, the cancer dies with you, so don't we call it a wash? <laughs> so it's, oh, he's it's, so good. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of the same thing, like, Great, your human form is going to go with you, and you're not going to know that you are right or wrong. Right, right. Which is frustrating because, like, I love research and I love knowing things. And so I think there are different brains who, that just work like that. But I thought we could, like, get everyone's mind into a death camp right now and just all breathe together and hold hands. <laughs> Well, and let few- me let me also tell you about like I I, I don't want to have fun with death, but I'm gonna um, <laughs> <laughs> for the conversation. Let's list who we want to die next. Okay, <laughs> it does freak me out and give me anxiety because it's unknown. But um, I remember okay, so when I went back to college for my uh, other degree, <laughs> I am degreed. Um, I had already started having panic attacks. And so I went in there hoping to talk to somebody and figure out what was going on because it was way before everybody talked about them. And the doctor says to me, so what are you actually afraid of? And I was like, not existing, dying. Right. <laughs> like, hello. Yeah. Um, but, but, and as we know now, that's really not where panic attacks come from of a place of logical fear. I mean, maybe sometimes they do if you're standing in front of an audience trying to give a speech. But um, I just remember that really vividly. The, well, that's it. And <laughs> the answer a lot to of that question. Yeah. And I think a lot of it now they're seeing also corresponds with, whoops, being alone. Like, that is my thing. Like, I will be going through it alone, even if I have 100 people around me with holding my hand. And to me, it's not a great concept that I like. 
but at the same time, I do equate it almost to having babies where I was horrified, horrified. And then when labor started, there was a, almost a calm, like, there's nothing I can do. Let's right. do this. Like, there was, you know, so I'm hoping either I die in my sleep or <laughs> something like that. But let's get into hell. <laughs> it's a place Bonnie will one day know very well. So the idea because you'll escort me in there personally. Right. <laughs> Fine. I will. Yeah. So we did. I did it by myself. A short little podcast way back about hell because some people asked about it. It's probably about ten fifteen minutes long. But I want to repeat some of the stuff. The concept of hell has been, it predates the Bible. And hopefully that gives people a little bit of pause to remember that as humans, we have always wanted people to be punished or rewarded. Yeah. And there's no better way to do that than be like, you know what, you're going to be eternally punished or rewarded. Right. And I will always be the person thinking, will always be on that rewarded side, which means I get to live forever. So, you know, it combines the the best things or worst things together. But in mythology, which was the religion of the day, they had their concepts of heaven and hell. Everyone does. I mean, we have jail because we want people punished. And so we put them in a place that's like, this is your punishment. So it's just always been existing. I was in a business meeting years ago, and we were talking about stories or something. And I said, I crave justice. <laughs> and so, yeah. <laughs> apparently, that had become the motto that other people had given me. Oh, <laughs> this is Bonnie. She craves justice. <laughs> I am the same. When like January 6th happened, I was mm-hmm. stalking different places that were like, we're looking for this guy. Oh, look, he's in handcuffs. I'm like, yes. Mm, yes. Um, yeah, because we definitely want that. So that's just to say the concept has been around forever. And we had Jagazis on a few episodes ago. And he and another one of my favorite friends from the internet, uh, I only know her as mother of dogs. I will think of her name. Is it Emily? (laughs) I'm sorry. But anyway, they're getting a podcast ready. And I'm very excited about that. And we'll tell you guys all about that. But we had him on a while ago. He does a really good job of breaking down when the words hell were used in the Bible and what they actually mean, because shocker, translations fucked them up. And sometimes it actually meant a physical place in Mm -hmm. Older New Testament that they were referring to. Um, And... I don't think anywhere is there a real concept of hell that we've developed. Right. And P.S., the people who wrote these things in whatever translations you want to uh, read, we can't ask them what they meant, what they meant, what they meant. We can in the afterlife. Yeah. (laughs) Because um, they're not around and they were humans. I'm sorry. 
we've decided that they were divinely inspired, but they were just humans with some ideas. And they contradicted each other, which means either they weren't hearing right or God kept forgetting what he'd said before. And if you are in a court of law, you know that the people who lie can't stick with that lie. And that is from Dateline. Okay. And I crave justice. (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk about what other religions and beliefs think of the afterlife, because we're hardwired to believe what we believe. And other places are just as hardwired. We're hardwired because of where we popped out of somebody. Yes. It is, I think, that simple. It really is. It really is. And people say, well, I know Christians in China. It's just like, oh, listen, if you're going to (laughs) do all, yeah. Yeah, you can know this and that uh, as much as you want. But the fact is, if you adopt some kid who was born in India, bring them over here, pump Christianity into their brains, Mm -hmm. well... It's, uh, well, we've talked about this before. That's why so many people are uh, the fans of the same soccer clubs in Europe and the same professional football teams here. It's family. Right. Anyway. Yeah. Go ahead. So first, let's take Buddhists because I would love to be Buddhist without effort. I'd just love <laughs> to have sort of some of that peaceful stuff uh, mm-hmm. with me. So... Let's talk about what they believe. Bonnie, take it away. Well, it does say that they believe in rebirth and that when they die, they'll be reborn again. But I like that at the end of the belief thing here, it just says, oh, there are lots of different types of Buddhism and many different ways of dealing with death. So um, that's kind of open-ended. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But I think uh, they, most they want believing. to attain nirvana or a state of perfect peace, which I thought that most of us did. I think it's the actual reincarnation. So um, whoever reincarnated into you must have done some bad shit. But you want to do a good shit. Oh, okay. I crack myself up. So that you can be... When you die, you're reborn into something else that makes you better and better until you reach the enlightenment nirvana, and then you just get to float somewhere cross-legged. Um, <laughs> and I find okay. it totally interesting because there was, in Thailand, a lot were Buddhists, and I was there as a missionary. And what was fascinating is they thought death was nothing. So we went to go see Forrest Gump in the theater. The first thing you do, though, is they play the anthem before every film, and you stand up, and you do the anthem. So, you know, we're like, For the country. Yes. Okay. Before every movie. And then we went to lots of movies that had, um, like, in the corner... Or below, very uh, milky-looking stuff because they were bootlegging things. Mm, So you would pay for a regular movie, and you didn't know if you were getting a bootleg or whatever. So we went to see Forrest Gump, and they 
didn't find it funny at all or understand a lot of the things like when he met Elvis or whatever. But when his best friend was dying and he was holding him in his arms, they were laughing. And my husband and I looked at each other like, what the fuck? And then you go in their little shops and they actually have magazines of deaths of people who died in highway accidents or whatever. And they'll view those because they don't, they don't have this like huge fear. They don't have a fear of not existing. Because they always will exist Mm -hmm. just in different forms. Right. Um, Which is fascinating. I mean, I wish I believed that more. I really don't. But so they pretend that we exist in a different form. Like, what if I get reincarnated as a duck that gets to mm-hmm. hang out on a pond? Right. Okay, so I'm not going to know, oh, my God, I used to be able to read. Now I can't read. <laughs> I don't have access to books. I don't have thumbs. Oh, my God, I wish I could drive again. We're not going to know that. You're just a different form from what this is saying. Yeah, a different. It's just different, and that's the part that annoys me because I sort of <laughs> would want to know, like, oh yeah, I remember that life or whatever. Yeah. And that's to me the problems with the human brain. Mm-hmm. God bless America. We need a story. We have to have a story. Yeah, it's exhausting. What I found that I didn't realize is that one. They believe that once they die, first of all, if they know they're dying, they have people and Buddhist higher-ups surround them, and whatever state of mind you're in when you're dying is very important, which I'm going to get into later how Buddhists train themselves to be more at peace with death and dying, which I think we could definitely utilize. But they also believe that the spirit might linger around the body. So you just respect Mm -hmm. the body. You wait till it flies off or whatever. And then, of course, they're into cremation, uh, which is very ecological. Well, somebody way back when I moved to Los Angeles, of course, we were talking about this. God knows how it came up. There I go, using God again. Um, But they said, well... I look at it this way, like energy can't be created or destroyed. So when you die, where does that energy go? And I was like, well, that's a brilliant concept. So I can understand the whole idea of, like you were saying, you want to be in a happy place when the energy leaves so that, attra- so that something else happy is attracted to your energy. Right. And who says we don't get reincarnated and shot back to, you know, the second century. I don't know. I don't, I don't believe in it, but it's because I didn't grow up in it. And yeah. it would be nice to believe in it. So the Catholics, they, they're pretty much like Christians, except they have that extra <laughs> layer of purgatory going on. And mm-hmm. that's if, you know, you didn't repent You didn't have a priest come and listen to you say, you know, all your things. You get stuck in that middle shelf, um, and then people can pray for you to sort of build up your, 
I see it as one of those like games. Remember the ones? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That I would play with, with for hours because I was so lonely. Um, <laughs> where it's filled with water and the little rings, and you have to push a button, and it sort of pushes the water and the rings mm-hmm. up higher till it grabs onto something. It's like those are the prayers. And they're trying to get that person up and hooked on the ring or or going to heaven, which I think, can you imagine the stress of going like, all right, I think, I think he's there, but you didn't get it all the way on the ring yet. (laughs) And you don't know. So you stop and does, does that person fall back to purgatory? Like, well, what happens Catholics to the person who, who's isolated and has no friends or has gone away to um, to be on a trip alone and has a horrible accident and no one's around there to give them their last rites and no one's around to pray for them to, you know, climb up the ladder? What about then? I mean, you can poke holes in all of these things. Yeah. And, oh. I totally agree. And I mean, uh-huh. that's where we get into the Christianity thing. The part that always got me is like, what is the age that a kid can pass away that yeah. they go to heaven and, you know, St. Peter or whatever says, no, you're two days over the age. We feel right. you could have made a decision. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I was at soccer camp. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, there's so many holes. So, the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints, that always baffles me, like LDS and Mormons, same thing. Cause Just, I, I, exactly. <laughs> like, they really... oh man, I thought we had two of them, but we're, there's only one. Um, so, uh, apparently when you die, your body and your spirit separate, that kind of makes sense. The spirit goes into the spirit world before being reunited with the body. Um, then the judgment occurs, and then after that, the person will live in heaven with God. Again, I don't know where, who decided this? Joseph Smith. <laughs> but that's, oh, that's what's interesting. It's so it's specific. Like, no. I mean, shouldn't we just all get happy pills when they know that the time is coming so that Damn we're straight. just... Yeah, like you get it, like like your analogy with birth, you know, chances are you may have gotten an epidural. Maybe you didn't because you wanted to experience all the pain. I love pain. No, but, I got that epidural. Yeah, shouldn't we have a death epidural? Like, so when my mother had hospice at home, yeah. they actually leave you with morphine. And... You know, to tell the sad story of my dad is take charge, great, all that physician. And I just felt I need to go over that day. My dad's like, I need you to come over. And I did. And I found him watching TV, but just staring. And he said, I don't know what to do. So I knew it was time. I called my brother. But I use that morphine. You know, I saw what she was going through and I didn't do anything wrong or anything, but I'm like, same with me, like make, put me in a la la land. I am right. fine with that. Yep. And the same thing happened with my grandmother. Um, she was under hospice care at home. There was morphine. 
um, the, the thing that really affected me though, this isn't funny at all, but I was the one who found her after she passed away. I don't think I knew that. Yeah. It was not a fun memory to have when you're, you know, 19. Um, and she just, it looked like, looked like she was gasping. That was my mother too. Yeah. And that upset me a lot. Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I think that's the part where people want to talk about peaceful passings. Dying can, it's violent in itself, but that doesn't mean that the person is aware. The person that is doing the dying. But it's us who see that and then we interpret like that is horrible. Um, But they've found now that they're, you know, the brain goes through different things that alleviates all those thoughts from the actual person dying, which hopefully gives people peace out there. Okay, so for Jehovah's Witnesses, they seem to think that when they die, they go into a kind of sleep. Yay. God brings them up from the dead. I don't know where they brings them to because you'd be seeing that if it was really happening. Bonnie, um, <laughs> we see with our hearts. Not okay, our so eyes. in their hearts, the people who are Jehovah's Witnesses who get to go to heaven and live with God, um, but <laughs> but then apparently most of mankind will be resurrected to some kind of restored paradise on earth. Yeah. Well, I found it interesting where it said the church elders visit the person and pray with them and share scripture to bring them comfort, which is a nice thing. Remember when we watched Gloria Vale about that cult in New Zealand? Mm-hmm. And there was one of their elders was dying, and, and they all lived in, like, this big communal dorm. So in one of the rooms, the guy was dying. And then in the the larger lobby area right outside the room, they all gathered in a circle and sang, like, hymns, which... I mean, that is sort of a comforting, solemn, beautiful thing, minus the cult activity. Yeah, I get when you sing together, your energy is doing the same thing, and somehow yeah. you're bound together by doing right. the same thing. And singing is really, um, it's very special in so many different ways. So one thing I read about, is it the JWs who don't do blood transfusions? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's them. I remember when I was like a manager at a small publishing company and I was hiring and this one person said, I'm like, tell me about yourself. Well, I don't do blood transfusions. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, <laughs> all You're right. You're going to start with the big one. That's, okay. And I'm like, we do not do those here so that'll be fine um but i was reading about how jw's can donate their organs but only Mm -hmm. after all the blood is drained out of said organ okay which made me think (laughs) i guess the blood's drained out of all of the organs like that i don't know oh my god the rules the rules Oh. Okay, let's go to the Jewish people who are our favorite. Yeah. So and gods, I, too. <laughs> yeah, they're chosen. Mm-hmm. So 
It's, I like how vague it is. Uh, that the beliefs might be different, uh, whether they're Orthodox, Reform, or conservative. Um, it says they believe that they're going to go to heaven to be with God when they die, and they have the next world, which they call the world of truth. And but but what I like that this says it, that death is seen as a part of life and part of God's plan. Yeah, <laughs> because so many times we act like, oh no, but it happens to everyone. <laughs> and that it's, I in a weird way, I exactly think that when I think about being scared of death, I'm like, think right. of how long, how many people have died and like gone through the same thing. So mm-hmm. why are you special, Karen? Now the thing I don't like is. Mm-hmm that they don't allow eating or drinking near the body as a sign of respect. Because in my world... (laughs) (laughs) You don't like that? No. It's time to eat and drink. Spill the wine on my body while you're laughing about something. Um, I'm willing to go in the grave with breadcrumbs on me. Uh, But, yeah, it's interesting because they have all these rituals that, again, just seem totally different than ours. But they really encourage mourning, which they've got it right. So in the Jewish faith, they sit Shiva and you go and pay a call to somebody's house and they usually have the mirrors covered, which I just love that that is a thing. Um, I don't understand it. It's just one of those things about religions that I always find so fascinating. Oh, why do you cover the mirror? And I bet you a lot of them couldn't tell you. And I say that because I had a coworker who was from Long Island. So she talked like this with a very strong accent. (laughs) And um, so she was, you know, going to tell us, oh, I've got to go sit shiver at my aunt's house. And the way that she pronounced it is how she wrote it on a note. She was going to go sit shiver. Oh. S-H-I-V-V-E-R. See? <laughs> I was like, honey, hard. that's your own religion and you don't Let me teach you. The right way. Oh, it just broke my heart. It was so cute. Anyway. Yeah, I so. like that a lot of these religions, supposedly, they think of things being circular and Jewish is the same, where you're like, you're not here. You are here. You go away. Life mm-hmm. does that, and it's more of an acceptance. And, of course, the circular for the ones that believe in reincarnation, because you just sort of dip away and you come back. Yeah, we really, uh, or we, but I'm saying, I'm thinking like the just evangelical Christians, we really seem to um, make a it just seems like such a a negative, the whole death thing. Right. I know that sounds so basic and stupid, but I'm, it's like a punishment somehow. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. Where it's like, this is your punishment for living. Right. And it brings you back to, I didn't ask to be alive. That's um, the thing. I didn't ask to be born. Yeah. You and probably so did. <laughs> Excuse <of course>. me. <laughs> I have some I things, have things like to, to get say. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's do Muslim and then, you know, there are plenty of others, but just understanding 
that huge chunks of the world believe these things that are so foreign to us hopefully will make it better for us to realize Again, cultural, etc. So Muslims, there are two types. There are the Shiite and the Sunnis. So they might have different beliefs. But you can shape your soul while you're living, which in Christianity, some people believe that. Some denominations believe in deeds. Others are just like, no, you just say, you accept Jesus. But they believe that there will be a day of judgment with Allah. But until that day, you're just going to be in your grave. (laughs) And then that judgment day is going to send you to heaven or hell. And you just have to accept God's will during that time. But when you're buried, you are buried facing Mecca or the general direction. And they, you know, they recite things from the Quran. They feel that they need to be prepared at any time to die, and that's why they pray five times a day. I didn't Mm -hmm. know that. I thought it was just a ritual, but they're like, they have to make sure that they're right with God in the best place they can be in case they get hit by a bus between prayer three and prayer four of the day. And somebody somewhere has told them that the prayer, much like uh, an aspirin, I guess, wears off after a certain amount of time. Where did they get that? I don't know. You know? Why aren't they yeah, praying yeah. all day long, every hour? Who decided? Well, it, just somebody decided that. It's the same thing with Christianity. Like, why were we telling God what the best thing to do was? Why mm-hmm. did we have to pray, can this person not be sick? Did he not know that person shouldn't be sick? Or that it was... <laughs> causing pain to everyone. I don't know. So back in ninth grade, when I first hit high school, I took a speech and debate class. And their assignment for us was to write um, a speech where you're supposed to persuade somebody of something. And I remember thinking, oh, this is going to be my chance to tell people about Jesus. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And I was trying. And so, you know, when you're first giving your first speech, you don't just launch into it. You have to learn the, the pieces of making a speech and you have to have your, I guess, like your, your thesis statement or what have you. Um, and my statement I remember was, don't be afraid of dying because you can accept Jesus and go to heaven. And the more, (laughs) the more I started writing, I'm like, I don't have any facts to to back this up. (laughs) This is a problem. Yeah. (laughs) Totally morphed into something about hospice care. (laughs) So, oh God. Um, It was awful. Well, not a lot of people, uh, not a lot of teachers around the country have to do what we have to do. I ended up almost every semester taking a full class time to tell students how they can or can't use the Bible. Because they would be like, you know, abortion is murder because I am Mm -hmm. citing the Bible. God says it's a sin. And I'm like, you can't, you can't do that. But I would Mm -hmm. say, if you want to say, look up 
the percentage of how many Americans claim they're Christians and then say, you know, most Americans believe in the Bible and therefore da da da. That's different. Yeah. Because, but it was unbelievable, like the concepts, the concepts. Yeah. Um, And I will also, (laughs) I will also throw in there my favorite thing, which if you listen to this podcast, you've heard me say it before a million times. And if I had not left our Baptist college to go to a heathen university, I never would have taken a film class where they assigned me to uh, watch the movie Hannah and Her Sisters. And ultimately in that, it's a story about a guy who's seeking to figure out what happens after he dies, after he determines that he's not going to be, you know, a victim of brain cancer. He's like, woohoo, but wait a minute, I'm going to die eventually. And so... He's on the verge of killing himself and then goes into a movie theater and starts to get into the movie and realizes, oh, my gosh, we don't really know what's going to happen. We may as well enjoy it while we're here. And I have that philosophy has stuck with me. To me, it makes the most logical sense. And I'm so glad that I left our school (laughs) so that I could be exposed to it. Who knows if I ever would have seen that movie. Um, But it's just made taking so much seriousness um a lot easier like yeah i take george washington from hamilton saying dying is easy living is harder but you can also switch that around of like exactly what you're saying and i think pendulette did something good about that he's an atheist and just the whole idea of valuing life more, Mm -hmm. and that's what we're seeing in COVID, rather than valuing an afterlife, because the people who are doing that, they're putting their unknown future in an afterlife more important than the people around them. So they're harming those people. Yeah. Yeah. I need a punching bag. And there's, it's that whole, I mean, I love that there's a big movement right now to be in the moment and more present because that is what we have. I don't know if I'm going to ever walk out of my bedroom door. I don't know Hmm. that. I can assume, but we don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I mean, you can actually see that in Florida as horrible as some of it can be. When mm-hmm. people go down there and retire and they're just like, fuck everything. I'm doing <laughs> what I want. I'm going to push this realtor lady over. Yeah. I'm going to back out of this space without looking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I oh, got well. insurance and Medicare. <laughs> Here we go. Okay. So now we're going to end it on something that is so f- fun that I didn't know existed. I found this on Lifehacker. What's so, that? Wait, what's life hacker? Life hacker is like, how do I do something? You know, how do I change the oil? And you can go to life hacker or, but they have philosophical things. It's just. Oh, cool. Yeah. Just like a little articles like that. They talk about how luckily in the last five years, there's been the era of what's called death positivity. Which I'm like, that is, I like that. So there's opportunities that you can do 
to contemplate your own death and not just plan for it, but also help ease death anxiety. And I never knew these happen. So if you're in San Francisco, Mm -hmm. as we know, our dear Elizabeth is a listener, you can go to the YG2D, which stands for You're Gonna Die. Um, (laughs) And it's a, quote, open space where people can share their thoughts and feelings about death. And it usually takes a form of like an open mic and people just bring different things about loss and grief and their ideas, which really can be very healthy. Um, There's also in London, Death Cafe. And now they are everywhere. And their casual gatherings described as, you know, you have your tea and your snacks and you talk about death. Let me open it. And this says without an agenda, which I like. So you can go to deathcafe.com, and there have been 13,037 death cafes in 80 countries, Cambodia, Afghanistan, Italy, Israel. I mean, it's something that's been going on that I did not know about. Wow. And I like the concept where it sort of gets you used to, yeah, what's going to happen. And you're surrounded by people who might want to talk about the same thing or ease your mind a little bit. There's also things, uh, something called the Death Salon, where it's a group of funeral directors, artists, intellectuals, authors, independent thinkers, etc. And they host events in Los Angeles and Philadelphia and bigger cities. Oregon has the Death Talk Project in Portland, Hmm. and that's where they stimulate useful and honest conversation about how we die. They do movie nights, which could be interesting. (laughs) Could be interesting or terrifying. But I think it's fascinating that people are doing this and then when we were talking about how Buddhists sort of try and put themselves in a good place before they die Mm -hmm. I read about a Buddhist meditation practice that I thought was really weird but if it works for them maybe it would work for everyone else but it's designed to conquer the fear of death and to wrap your head around that yeah you're gonna die and your physical body is no longer going to exist. Right. Um, so it's called Cemetery Contemplations. <laughs> oh, my. That's a tough you, title. <laughs> I know. You meditate on the various states of decomposition that a body goes through oh. by looking at, like, pictures okay. or illustrations or mm-hmm. even real corpses. And okay. I thought... That is disgusting. That's terrible. That's weird. And then I have to go like, okay, just because that's not our societal practice, let me see what they're doing. Right. I'm very much into denial Uh, about some things. Me too. But this has been proven to like relax the idea of things. I guess it's almost like cessation where you get used to the concept of something, and you become less scared of it. Right, right. And so what they do is they sort of look at these things, 
they meditate on it, and they see it again as like part of nature. Like this right. is what happens to everything in nature. This is how we are decomposing in a way that sort of cares for the earth. And sadly, I ran across there's some kind of organization or company that actually turns bodies into compost, which I was like, yeah, that's what I want to do. But then they tour the facility and there's just big block containers that you know there is a person in each one of those and I'm like oh I don't like seeing that Mm -hmm. I just like it being a far off intangible picture and idea but the whole meditating thing supposedly really helps people to separate themselves from the idea of them being a body and that yeah, that they're a soul or a mind. You know what I'm saying? Yes, because uh, I used to read Eckhart Tolle's books over and over again, and mm-hmm. I have to do that just to keep my brain active on thinking about certain ways that we as humans behave and our ego and the whole idea that we are the observer of all this. We're not our brains. Um, is something that he talks about a lot. And every time I would read that, I would be so much more comfortable with the concept of death. And he's not any, he's not somebody that is a subscriber to any particular religion. He just talks about us as beings first and then humans second. Um, Right. So maybe I'll go read that again. Maybe I will too. Yeah, and I think even talking about this helps me because, of course, we're anxious about not going on. And I read somewhere where it's like, oh, well, that's selfish. And it's, I'm like, yeah, but that's all, (laughs) that's all all we can be. (laughs) Right. Um, Yeah. And you do, you're like, oh, what will I miss? And my kids and all that. And, of course, I won't miss it because I'll be gone. But. Of course, there's anxiety that goes with it, but hopefully no one has to be scared of the of the concept of hell like was drilled into us forever because we can see logically that it is just like you said, where we were born, what we believe in the afterlife according to that and translations of the Bible being so insufficient to really yeah. say what all that that means yeah well um i i this has kind of been fun (laughs) it is hilarious but i i really did want to sort of just jump over this hurdle because we are surrounded by death just all the time now yeah and it can make our anxiety go up about it especially those leaving the christian faith like what does it mean um what are we going to go through? And the the whole idea is that, yeah, it's the circle I, of life. We're no better, no less than anything I, else. I, I have I have a certain degree of I get I, I get I where I want to resist it, and I get agitated by the fact that I'm surrounded by people who are so much older than I am Mm -hmm. and their contemporaries are passing away. 
and they absolutely want to talk about it with me. Right. It's uh, I and and I I I want to have one of those little things where you write on a whiteboard like how many days have I gone without hearing that somebody died. Yeah. And then and then down the the <laughs> And then down the triage level is like, or somebody's having a hip replacement or somebody right. is in this rehabilitation facility. <laughs> yeah, you're surrounded uh, by it all the time. And as I'm seeing my father go through the process, I mean, it's very, all of it's very emotional and very difficult. And I want to be more like, go with the flow, <laughs> not go with the flow, like, ah, oh, you died, oh, well, but feeling death is so much more of a natural state yeah. than I see it as a threat. Like, yeah, yeah. So that's our fun episode. <laughs> and if you're not rolling on the floor laughing to death, then I don't know what to say. But once in a while, we might throw things in that are a little like this. Who yeah. knows? Uh, subscribe and rate us. <laughs> <laughs> Please give us five coffins on our Apple podcast. And until next time, hopefully you will be there. <laughs> okay, bye. And that is the real meaning of don't be a shit pile. Like a pile.